preface and part one chapter one of on piety this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. on piety by jean Gebert. preface the author is well aware of the perils of writing on piety such as the discredit attaching to works of the kind he undertakes it nevertheless being persuaded that he is doing a useful and perhaps necessary work his aim is to encourage esteem for piety not only among those who are given to pious practices but also among those who treat it with disdain as something paltry or speak evil of it as if the practice of it were degrading it is with this end in view that he makes a study of its nature explains its effects and lays down rules for the use of it there is nothing nobler than piety since it awakens and applies the activity of the soul to the highest purest and most fruitful of lives the very life of god nothing is more advantageous than piety since by the close contact which it establishes with god and by the constant effort which it obliges a man to make with regard to himself it purifies the feelings enlightens the mind strengthens the will gladdens the heart and stirs up an apostolic fire in the soul but piety only preserves its worth and yields all its fruits when it is led by the spirit of wisdom it would cease to be itself it would disfigure the soul and become repellent if it degenerated into a superstitious and sterile formalism piety has to repel the attacks of which it is the object by uplifting character and by enriching with a wealth of virtues those who live by it whenever as should be the case pious people show most common sense most dignity of demeanour most sympathy most disinterestedness and most self-sacrifice piety and religion itself will need no more apologists the lives of those who pray will be its most unanswerable defence if those who are pious will try to enter into the spirit of this little book the author hopes both that their religious life will be full of sweet consolation to themselves and that their example will win over to piety a number of those who though fundamentally religious do not dare to risk an undertaking which they fear may involve them in bitter disappointment may this book give many souls a taste for god from this they will find spontaneously arise a taste for the good part one the nature of piety chapter one how piety is misunderstood godliness piety is profitable to all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come 1 timothy chapter 4 verse 8 this praise of piety by saint paul must seem strange to worldly folk for the world does not esteem piety 
and has nothing but disdain for those who practise it the world looks upon piety as useless good for those who have nothing else to do and likely to foster delusions in the head of those who are touched with mysticism but as having no bearing upon real life and as being rather lowering to the faculties of those who are given to it if man's most sacred duty is to develop his life he must have nothing to do with piety which tends to enfeeble it what right has the world to pass such a severe judgment upon piety it declares that the grounds for such a judgment are supplied by the pious themselves it has examined the connection between their piety and their life and it claims that their life gains nothing from their piety so far as their piety is concerned their life is neither purer nor more fruitful nor more devoted nor less worldly nor less selfish nor less full of pride such a sweeping sentence is assuredly unjust for amongst the pious there are a number of choice souls who are truly holy humble sympathetic generous ready for every sacrifice diligent in the hardest of tasks boldly making their way in life and who are second to none in moral energy in nobility of heart and even in practical success and to any one who follows them closely it is plain that it is their piety that sustains and makes them great and that they draw from communion with god the strength to subdue their lower passions and owe to prayer their lofty aspirations and were not the saints who are the greatest of men all moulded by piety but it must be admitted that by the side of these characters who get their greatness from their piety there are commonplace and vulgar souls who are taken up with the externals and practices of piety and who nevertheless have been made no better by it they wear a mask of piety but know nothing of its living reality they flatter themselves that they please god with their long prayers and their numerous medals and scapulars and by joining all kinds of confraternities and third orders and they forget that god takes no pleasure in these external things unless they help to purify the heart to subdue the passions to make one fulfil the duties of one's state of life and grow in moral perfection and social influence this perverted though sincere piety which is confined to formalities and does not carry with it any moral obligation which submits to external discipline without changing anything within is more harmful to the fair fame of devotion than hypocrisy itself for hypocrisy which is urged by its ambition to clothe itself in an appearance of religion is unmasked and confounded sooner or later false piety on the contrary because of its sincerity and perseverance offers the continued spectacle of a superficial barren and impotent religion which fritters away the soul by mechanical routine and lifeless exercises 
thus it is that in spite of their good intentions some of the devout through their misinterpretation of a life of devotion convince the world that piety far from having the promise of the life that now is depreciates men and sterilizes them in every way and makes them incapable of fulfilling their destiny is there any reason to be astonished that most men urged on by the need of making a living and panting with the desire to conquer in the struggle for existence neglect the practices of religion in which they fail to find a weapon that makes them stronger but only a burden which crushes out their breath and clogs their feet their contempt is their excuse for standing aloof if it is not always a fault it is at any rate a misfortune for men to be ignorant of the nature and value of piety for it is a source of life that is closed to them all ought to know it better both those who make use of its exercises and those who shun even the very appearance of it those who have already adopted its practices will gain by going to the root of the matter how many of them get perhaps no advantage from it if they were only to learn that it is an interior life that the external practices are nothing but the shell that its object is to change the heart that it is vain and utterly servile if it does not make us better would they not esteem it more highly and follow its rules more gladly and find it a help towards growth in goodness at the same time they would be in the eyes of the world the vindicators and apostles of piety as long as the world sees no difference between those who pray and those who do not pray at all it cannot help being sceptical about the real bearing of piety if it perceives some souls cramped and lessened by a pretense of piety or others sheltering weaknesses which they dare not acknowledge under the cloak of religion it is easy to understand that they are tempted to speak against it but whenever piety manifests itself to men as being an evident cause of the noblest feelings of self-sacrifice generously accepted of work courageously undertaken of suffering patiently endured of devotion that is entirely disinterested they will then understand the full value of introducing real piety into one's life and how important it is to rely upon religion in order to attain moral elevation how great then is the responsibility incurred by the devout when by carelessness they bring piety down to the level of worthless formalism and cause it to be despised by those unacquainted with it who when they look for it in them find only a miserable caricature of it on the other hand what a grand apostolate their life would afford if they offered the world the encouraging spectacle of a piety that was practical a piety that lit up human life with sanctity and the power of god through the evidence of the practical effects of true piety the world would recognize the potency of its moral action 
and thenceforward would begin to hold it in esteem from esteem to the desire for its possession the distance is but short and if we consider the need of moral progress on the one hand which is experienced by most men and the fragility on the other hand that they could feel in their will we may conclude that honest hearts would take refuge in the practices of religion as in a shelter prepared for their weakness and that they would arm themselves with piety as a store of divine strength fitted to supply what was lacking in their infirmity if they were persuaded by the example of pious people and by the luminous arguments of religious books that piety is a power and that it is a regenerative leaven for the fallen and a store of holy energy for those who wish ever to go forward there is no doubt that they would be attracted by its benefits and that they would desire to taste of its sweetness and to experience its power and therefore in order at the same time to deepen the life of those who pray and to attract to the life of piety those who have not begun to pray we shall now attempt to set forth the nature and effects of true piety end of part one chapter one